Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hushmo Black Forum. Here we do it bigger, we do it better, we do it longer, and out of necessity, we'll do it louder than anyone out here. So relax. Here's your host, Hushmo Black. Twenty thirteen. How y'all doing? The peanut gallery. We we ain't talking to you. <laughs> hey 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 y'all know. We can be we can do it without you. How y'all doing out there in the cyberspace, the Facebook friends? What's up? Hey uh got a lot of things going on this evening in the city. We come to you you know, we can from the ATL here, y'all. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's my home. We um, just so happy to be out here this evening with you all. Got 500,000 people up there in, Mar- in Washington, Martin, celebrating the 50th anniversary of uh, the death of uh, Martin Luther King. I've been in and out of that all day on the news, just uh, you know, trying to keep abreast of what's, uh, what's going on. I, you know, I got my own take <laughs> on uh, on the thing that I put forth. Try to put forth in my new book coming out, <clears throat> "Racism and Hate in American Reality," y'all. Coming out soon. We get it in uh, uh, as we speak. So uh, we, we're going to get into all of that tonight and just uh, look at uh, look back at MLK and the significance of uh, his life. Uh, you know, our model out here is to do it bigger, to do it better, to do it longer. And out of necessity, sometimes we'll do it louder. What we do, we advocate on, on behalf of American, of African descent. Not not because we don't love everybody. We love everybody. We want to let you know that we, just by extension, uh, because we're part of that community, we find ourselves advocating on their behalf. And Lord knows we we need all the advocacy we can get. You know, <laughs> these are. Trying times, uh, to say the least. I don't, I don't know what what's all kinds of stuff's going on now. I, what's going on over, the, over there in Syria? I, that's crazy. Huh? But uh, the president's got his plate full. I wish we had a uh, functioning uh, Congress to work with them. We need everybody working uh, for the people up there in that. Uh, that I don't even know how to describe that uh, that uh, cesspool of uh, politics uh, uh, that we have up there in Congress. Yeah. We we this is almost uh, it's almost a disgrace. <laughs> it's really almost a disgrace for uh, a country this powerful and rich. 
uh, have to uh, be brought to his knees by uh, a small minority of uh, uh, people. But that is exactly what has taken place in the Congress here. That is exactly what has taken place in the Congress here. Hey, I don't know, y'all. It's, uh, I want to say it's a beautiful weekend in Atlanta, but that wouldn't entirely be the case. That wouldn't be entirely the case, <laughs> I should say. It's been raining. It's like it's rained every day this week here for the last, uh, I don't know. We've had more rain this summer than I can remember over the last, I don't know, 10 or 12 years. Uh Anybody know me? This has been one of the wettest summers we've had around here. I mean, I and the weather's crazy. I mean, it got down to the in the sixties the other day. It was it felt like uh, <laughs> late fall. But then uh, I was talking to some folks up in Ohio. It was ninety degrees. <laughs> so it looked like the weather pattern was flipped around on us. I like to remind people Rush Limbaugh <clears throat> says nothing wrong with the weather. Rush, <laughs> you also have you also have Rush know. I don't know how Rush. Roger said Rush Limbaugh said there's nothing wrong with the weather. There's no climate change, and that's all a, a liberal plot. I, I don't know if we got any kind of training in that business. Uh, no, that's what he said. Now a lot of folks seem to uh, listen to what what he say. So he must, you know, he must know something. If he got millions of followers, surely he must know something. Uh. In my, in my own, my own experience, I mean, yeah, this is, uh, something's crazy about the weather. Just my own, my own uh, observation, you know, a really minuscule (laughs) sample of, uh, (laughs) of the, uh, of the people here. But me, I am thinking something is going on that's crazy, y'all. Yeah. I'm not a scientist, but I, I'm going to go with the scientists on this show. I'm going to go with the scientists. I'm going to leave uh, Russian oil out of a lot of stuff, but I'm, I'm going to leave this. I'm going to leave him alone on this one. I'm going to leave him alone on this one, yeah, on this climate thing. I'm going to go with the scientists on this. We, uh, 
Coming up on uh, about eight minutes after seven here, y'all, in the ATL. Um, got the Falcons coming on tonight. I, you know, I the Braves, we, we done lost a superstar, y'all. Hey, hey another thing, uh, we, <laughs> before I go, go too far, I got to wish my, my beloved wife a uh, happy 46th anniversary. We celebrated our 46th anniversary this past this past Monday, I guess it was, August 19th, yeah, 46 years on the, give a shout out to her and tell her that I really still love her as much as I did then, some 46 years ago. But yeah, hey, the husband's getting old, you yeah. Hey, no doubt. <laughs> Hey, we, uh, yeah, what is it? Uh, we got to get out, uh, some more birthday shout-outs here in August. We had a lot of birthdays in August here from my sisters, my cousins, my nephews, my all kind of uh, uh, important dates here in the month of August. It's just about to get away from us, yeah? We, uh, let's see. President Obama's birthday was uh, here last week. Uh, you know, just on and on here. We we uh, like I said, we're going to take a look at uh, that ML King uh, celebration up in Washington here and see. Uh, what has transpired just in uh, since since then, since 1963? My book, White Rate uh, Racism, <laughs> Racism and Hate in American Reality, uh, deal uh, a lot with uh, that time period. And we kind of look at uh, a study that was done back in 1944. It started in 1938. It uh, covered some six years from 1938 to 1948 uh, called uh, An American Dilemma, the Negro Problem in Modern Democracy. Uh, This guy, Dr. Gunnar Myrdal, uh, the at the time, uh, was commissioned by the Carnegie Corporation. That's the people that uh, founded the Carnegie Foundation. You may have heard of that. Andrew Carnegie, one of the richest American industrialists that we've had in the country. So he had big money. He was wanted to find out about us Negroes and how we was uh, <laughs> our effect on uh, the American society at the time. This is like 1930, uh, late 1938 and uh, early 40s. They were in the middle of World War II. He came over and did this, uh, some six-year study on our race relations there. Great, great uh, uh, snapshot into uh, where the country was at that point in time. Uh, I, I use it in my uh, in my in my writing my my book uh, as a, a kind of a barometer that I uh, you know try to try to 
uh, he his work predominantly dealt with uh, the race relations from uh, the Civil War forward to uh, 1944, some 70 years, uh, and uh, uh, does a great job. It's a 1,500-page study. How's that? the Schumburg uh, uh, Library up in New York City. <clears throat> also, you can find a copy of it on the Internet. <clears throat> but we uh, reference some of the material as a, <clears throat> as a, uh, as a reference point to, where, uh, to our work. We look at uh, the 70 years since that work the 70 years from 1944 uh, up until here 2013. Look back at the race relations, see where we came. Some of that time was spent on the, the Jim Crow laws of uh, the South, the laws, the Jim Crow laws that uh, Plessy uh, codified into national law. Yeah. So we, we uh, uh, in the it's amazing how they say how the more things change, the more they stay the same. And really, this this time, this time in which we're living, is eerily, <laughs> eerily uh, uh, similar to uh, the second administration of Ulysses. As Grant is eerily, is scary, uh, similar to uh, the administration of Ulysses S. Grant, y'all. What was going on in the country then? The, the conservative Democrats <laughs> of the South who wanted to keep uh, black folks in their place uh, and the slave uh, labor system in its place. Uh, even though it was free, that's what the whole goal was, decided to shit uh, the federal government down before they would acquiesce uh, on any concession in terms of giving them land and uh, their uh, 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 right to vote and hold uh, political office. Those two things was out. They bowed uh, <laughs> amongst themselves. Uh, that that wasn't going to happen, and it didn't. They were vowed that those set of Americans would never, never in their generation be allowed to assimilate into the greater society uh, as full-blown, red-blooded, Americans, and they succeeded in a large uh, degree, <laughs> believe it or not, that anti-amalgamation doctrine that was put in place here after the Civil War uh, has a lot to do with uh, the conflict and the friction that uh, exists today uh, in the country. When it comes to race relations, racism and black and white type um, uh, interactions, 
That, yeah, that anti-amalgamation doctrine. Now, this guy, he, he pointed it out, you know. He pointed it out back in the, the 1940s. He, he, he knew after six years of study, it didn't take long to figure it out either. Every other minority group, white minority group, coming from Eastern Europe, they came into the country in over a generation or so. They had assimilated uh, freely into the society, moving all over the country setting up businesses, uh, getting free land out in Oklahoma and (laughs) do the Homestead Act of 1862. Yeah. They just get coming through Ellis Island, yeah. Coming through Ellis Island up uh, in New York. It was on the golf channel today. They they got a golf tournament up there. Got the Statue of Liberty out there. (laughs) Everybody came through there. Ellis Island uh, was Eastern European, quite Caucasian. They uh, was allowed to assimilate into uh, the society uh, with no problem. It was only the Americans who had built the country, been there 300 years, uh, the Americans uh, of African descent who were. Uh, Denied free access to uh, the Constitution and civil society uh, uh, not the largest civil society. Denied access to it. Yeah, that's what that's what we're about now. You know, that's a drug. Uh, <laughs> American Rational is uh, completely out of society. It said the Supreme, uh, 14th Amendment uh, did not. Uh, Protect us against such uh, such attacks. That's what Plessy said. So no, we we uh, talk about it in my new book, uh, and I think it's it's going to be a real good fit in the conversation that's going on today because we. As Americans of African descent, for some reason, don't always express exactly what it is that uh, we're complaining about. What what is what is our gripe in this thing? How 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 can we articulate our uh, uh, injuries? You know, in our Our uh, 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 problem with the uh, uh, society and government, and, and, and I, I hope that uh, my new book, "Racism and Hate: An American Reality," will start to, uh, you know, start to uh, zero in on just what it is that uh, uh, we, Americans, are going to say. Uh, think uh, the problem is just you know our history just by telling our story our history and you know demanding that uh, justice be done here that's all <laughs> we, just, we, we we want justice and and, uh, and uh, but but I think it's, it's so important that we get out here and start telling our story 
everybody's got a story to tell, write it, uh, talk about it, or do something about it. Let people know the history of your family and uh, what transpired here <coughs> in this country over the, the 200 years, uh, uh, 200 uh, or so years that uh, they, they've been around here. <coughs> and and that's what uh, that's what I try to do out here on my show on, on my show is try to uh, talk about my history and uh, uh, just my uh, little sixty eight years of uh, observing uh, what was going on in uh, society. Yeah, yeah, talk about it. I mean. People, uh, everybody's got a heck of a lot of information stored up in their uh, in their uh, conscious. Yeah, they got a lot of information stored up there. I get it out, write it down, talk about it. Yeah, so we is you know. Yeah, that, you know, I got off on a tangent here, and I was talking about uh, Ulysses S. Grant, his his administration in the Do-Nothing Congress of that day is so, how it so much resembles the Do-Nothing Congress that we have here, uh, but the roles are reversed. You had the conservative Democrats from the South uh, wanting to hold on to uh, their old antebellum um way of life, including uh, the subservient uh, Negroes, and then you had the North, uh, and uh, they call them the Radical Republicans, because they wanted to throw the, uh, the Negroes a crumb. <laughs> so those two uh, opposite forces were at play. Uh, the, the the Southern Democrats, which is now, by the way, that thing has done flipped over 180 degrees. Those same uh, uh, Dixocrats are now part of the Republican Party. <laughs> they part of the Republican Party. Oh no, these stripes still run through them. You cannot, you cannot get rid of the stripe of a zebra. <laughs> you can't do it. Uh-uh. That stripe of that zebra will run through it. Every, Every time for generations, I mean. So, because they call themselves Republicans, <laughs> they see that uh, right now they 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 all upset. Now they want to battle over Obamacare because Obamacare uh, have the potential of giving a lot of black folks access to health care. Somebody got to pay for it. Oh, come on, a price. Somebody go go pay a few more dollars. Somebody. Is. And uh, they, oh no, they all said against uh, doing anything that would help Americans of African descent out of the public talk like that, short of uh, uh, just plain old uh, welfare, keeping them starving to death. But uh, which is why my advocacy for reparation, had they give us the land, <laughs> had the 46 million acres been. Uh, uh, Given out to uh, the ex-slaves, uh, we wouldn't be here today. Uh, 
We wouldn't even be talking about this crazy stuff. This race relations and racism. We have been put that stuff to bed a hundred some fifty years ago. Whenever the eighteen we we put that stuff together a hundred and fifty years ago, had they done the right thing, period. That's what I say. Had they done the right thing with the ex slaves, some five million ex slaves who had slaved here for three hundred years, giving those folks a minuscule amount of land that was on the books <laughs> and allowed that that free man's bureau <laughs> that they destroyed uh continue to uh, help those people uh, uh uh in the in the uh gain and access to that land and uh uh, uh while they uh was being educated uh, would have solved most, of, if not all, of the problems uh, the, uh, the powers that be today. The racists, the racists would have solved all of the racist uh, uh, contentions that uh, we have in the country today. <coughs> First of all, you wouldn't have the, uh, <coughs> the economic disparity. <coughs> economic disparity in the country would nowhere near be the same. We can start from there. And uh, if the economic uh, uh, if the economics are, are, are different, if the economics uh, was uh, uh, different for uh, the Americans of African descent, we wouldn't be here today, y'all. Uh, and somebody knew it and, and refused and refuse to allow uh, uh, to allow it to happen. <laughs> they refuse to allow the Americans of African descent, the newly freed Americans, access uh, to the society <laughs> at large. Uh, they uh, no way, shape, freak, no way, shape, or form. And uh, it's come back uh, to hunt uh, the country today with this humongous wealth gap. Now, you might say that, oh, yeah, (laughs) but all the poor folks are black. But, I mean, no, if uh, if this Scale of justice is unbalanced. Uh, it don't. It hurts every both sides of that. Uh, both sides of that thing get hurt, you know? no doubt. We call it uh, the man-induced self-fulfilling prophecy of racism. Is how we define it in our book, and. Uh, Uh, Gunnar Murdoch. Uh, he he uh, in his study he he uh, he looked back at it and uh, decided it was this. He put it into a uh, social uh, 
a social scientist a formula, a scientific formula, this uh, man-induced self-fulfilling prophecy of racism. So he did the study in 1944. He put it in a scientific formula, the variables at play here. Uh, we, <laughs> what the, what the, hey, uh, we, we're going to get back into it. I heard some of got off on the tangent here, y'all. we got a break sometime. Hey, it's about 28 after, y'all. We're going we're gonna to come back and get into uh, uh, this, uh, what uh, Dr. Gunnar Murdoch called this vicious circle. We, he 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 call it this vicious circle. We gonna get in there after the break, y'all. Y'all hang in there. You got me to hush, but we'll be right back. Advocating on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, seven p.m. to ten p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
Welcome back to the High School Black Forum. Hey, it's August, August 24, 2013. Got some, some company in town from Gary, Indiana. I want to give a shout out to those uh, good folks. We got to get with them tomorrow. Some, some of them will be out and about tomorrow trying to hang out for a minute. Hey, welcome back to the National Black Forum, y'all. Where our motto is to do it bigger, to do it better, to do it longer. Not a necessity. Sometimes we'll do it louder. We don't. We don't like to get loud. Uh, oh, oh, we will. But I said we don't like to. <laughs> but we we will. From time to time, to uh, squeeze and to uh, squeeze our word in. I mean, we got to get a word in the edgewise sometimes. You can't just be sitting back listening all the time. That's good to listen. I learn a lot from just listening. But uh, it's hard for me just to listen. <laughs> it's hard for me just to listen because I listen all the time. Nobody ever hear what uh, it is that I have uh, to say. So you gotta, you got to uh, reach that happy medium, you know. Gotta reach that happy medium. Yeah, we uh, was talking about then uh, my book, racism and hate, um, uh, and and just the uh, a, l- a little background, you know. Uh, racism, we concluded, was a man-induced this man-induced self-fulfilling prophecy of. Uh, uh, of racism had to do with uh, the initial lie that uh, the African slaves were somehow inferior human beings to them, and 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 uh, of course uh, a couple of hundred years with uh, the deculturalization of those uh, individuals, uh, bringing them across tribes, across the entire bloodline of uh, of this country, uh, they uh, stripped all of their. Uh, uh, Natural identities away over two hundred years now. You're talking about five, six, seven generations of uh, people here by 1865. Yeah, we're talking about over two hundred years, over five, six, seven generations by 1865. They were uh, illiterate uh, by then, uh, without uh, any trace of uh, their uh, their uh, or very little uh, uh, traces of their uh, ancestral. Uh, uh, being is uh, in uh, West Africa, so yeah, that self-fulfilling prophecy of uh, this inferior uh, lie that was told initially had, so they thought, uh, bore itself out. So it got caught with the uh, the poor whites who uh, the lie was told to, and uh, it played a part in uh, their psyche, uh, thinking that they uh, somehow was uh, better than uh, at least the uh, these slaves here who were pretty much uh, no better than uh, the animals on the farm. Um, so, yeah, by 1865, you got 5 million newly freed Americans, uh, 95% of them maybe illiterates. 
uh, not uh, 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 highly skilled, some highly skilled people too now here in Georgia, my family. Some of them was highly skilled uh, uh, people. Uh, I, you know, uh, um, had pretty much uh, 90% of the skill set here in this state of Georgia in 1865. My people did. Yeah. So, so because they couldn't uh, uh, read or write, uh, didn't make them uh, any kind of way socially inferior. Uh, maybe uh, 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 illiterate to your uh, to your uh, uh, academic world because you uh, refused to educate them. <laughs> you know. So, so anyway, that that's the only uh, uh, deficiency uh, that they had besides being poor and broken. Uh, uh, well, yeah, they was uh, uh, illiterate. Yeah, that's all man-induced type of uh, 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 inhumane uh, man-induced uh, prophecy here. That uh, what, it's what racism is. Remember that they uh, uh, declared that uh, themselves to be superior human beings. God made uh, somehow made them superior to the other uh, human beings. Now they ain't made nobody. Let's get this straight. They made nobody. God made everybody, yet somehow <laughs> He made them uh, better. <laughs> so, so anyway, that thing, that thing got to be crazy, y'all. But uh, yeah, so Gunnar Murdoch, Doctor Gunnar Murdoch, was looking at this. Remember, this is the start of the country here, some two hundred years back. He's looking back at the race relation here in nineteen forty. In this country, it was deplorable because remember, we're still living under Plessy, the separate but equal laws at that time. This anti amalgamation uh, doctrine was in play at that time. He he, he uh, came over, and uh, like I said, he was commissioned by the Carnegie Corporation to do this study in American Dilemma. The Negro problem. The Negro problem and modern democracy was the title of that thing. <laughs> An American dilemma. It was a dilemma, which really should have been. It was more about just man-induced uh, self-fulfilling prophecy of racism that had been at play in the society had been at play by the end. Wow. 250 plus years. Yeah, by 1940 had been at play uh, some 250 years. Uh, it had been at play 250 years in the society. This self-fulfilling prophecy of racism had been at play when when uh, Dr. Murdoch took a look at it. He uh Decided to uh, put it into uh, a, a, some more, f- a, a few uh, more f- sophisticated uh, terms. There, he, he's a social scientist. Now he don't know anything about uh, intermixing with uh, Africans. He never lived in, uh, uh, had no blacks in Sweden. They never did deal with slaves and stuff over there. 
He defined it as the, the the problem as the theory of the vicious circle. He go on to say a deeper reason for the unity of the Negro problem, the singularity of the unit, uh, Negro problem, will be apparent when we now try to formulate our hypothesis. Uh, our hypothesis concerning its dynamic causation. He said uh, <laughs> the Negro problem will be apparent when we now try to formulate our hypothesis concerning its dynamic causation. Causation, the cause of this thing. <laughs> the mechanism that operates here is the principle of community uh, Cumulation, principle of cumulation, cumulation. Y'all remember that? This is what's at work here. Uh, so says Dr. Murdo, Gunnar Murdo, the social scientist, heavy guy back then. He said the mechanism that operates here is the principle of cumulation, also commonly called the vicious circle. That's what's at play here, y'all, with the Negro problem. This is the 1930s now. This is the 40s. (laughs) 70 years after the Civil War, trying to figure out what's going on with the Negro problem here in the society. Uh, Dr. Murdoch says that uh, the mechanism uh, that's operating here is the principle of accumulation, also commonly called the vicious circle. It is or should be developed into a main theoretical tool in studying social change. That's what he said, this vicious circle. So it is or should be developed into a main theoretical tool in studying social change. Yeah, this is it right here, yeah, this vicious circle. We got to see what this vicious circle is about. It's dealing with the Negro problem here in America, y'all, back in the 30s, some 70s. 70 years after the Civil War. So throughout this inquiry, we shall assume a general uh, independence between all factors in the Negro problem. (laughs) So throughout this inquiry, we shall assume a general independence between all factors in the Negro problem. White prejudice and discrimination Keep the Negro low in standards of living, health, education, manners, and morals. This, in its turn, gives support to the white presidents. White presidents and Negro standards thus mutually cause each other. Mutually, <laughs> y'all, y'all got that? White presidents and Negro standards thus mutually cause each other. If things remain about as they are and have been, this means that the two forces happen to balance each other. Such a static accommodation is, however, entirely accidental. If either of the factors changes, 
this one called a change in the other factor, too. And start a process of interaction where the change in one factor will continuously be supported by their reaction of the other factor. The whole system will be moving in the direction of the primary change. But much further, this is what we mean by cumulative causation. Cumulative causation. If, for example, we assume that for some reason, whatever, but <laughs> if we assume that for some reason our prejudice could be decreased <laughs> and discrimination mitigated, oh, wait a minute. If for some, uh, if for example, we assume that for some reason white prejudice could be decreased and discrimination mitigated, this is likely to cause a rise in Negro, which may decrease white prejudice, well, rise in Negro standards, <laughs> which will decrease white prejudice still a little more, which again will allow Negro standards to rise, and so on, through mutual interactions. If instead discrimination should become intensified, we should see the vicious circle spiraling downward. The original change can as easily be change of Negro standards, can easily be a change of Negro standards upwards or downward. The facts would in a similar manner, run back and forth in the interlocking system of interdependent causation. The interlocking system of interdependent causation. <laughs> in any case, the initial change would be supported by consecutive always of back effects and in, and in, and in from their reactions. Of the other factor, wow, that's heavy, y'all. Yeah, so so <laughs> what he's saying here, uh, scientists, uh, social scientists, those folks, they always did have a way with words, y'all. <laughs> they always did have a way with words. What he's saying is, uh, the racism <laughs> has birthed into this man self-induced uh, uh, fulfilling prophecy, has uh, uh, uh evolved into this uh, vicious circle where uh, uh, the more uh, <laughs> uh, uh, prejudice and discrimination the white folks heap on us black folks, uh, the more we're going to dislike it, and uh, uh, but uh, the more, uh, more our standards of living are going to be, and uh, uh, the more it's going to seem like it's fulfilling their uh, racist uh, rant about us being uh, below uh, uh, white folks in uh, our standards of living. And that's uh, a vicious circle uh, uh, until uh, they ease up on the causation of uh, the racism, the, the uh, hate. Now, uh, as they do that, uh, the condition of the Negro rises. And uh, thereby, uh, uh, according to Dr. Gornow, this is going to appease uh, uh, the white folks who uh, had the uh, 
had the uh, problem <laughs> in the first place. So it's a vicious circle of uh, racism and hate. Racism uh, uh, producing a reaction of hate is uh, what it amounts to. That's what I I put it. I put uh, the formula together like that. It's pretty much the same as what uh, Doctor uh, Murdoch was trying to say back there in 1940 and did a real good job. But what he's saying is exactly uh, uh, is the truth. It, it is uh, the uh, 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 main components: racism and hate. It's so different. Uh, he um, have it uh, make it sound a lot better, uh, or at least uh, from a, uh, uh, an intellectual uh, uh, point of view, I suppose. It's, uh, but uh, yeah, he's talking about racism and hate, white racism and black hate. That's what he's uh, describing here in his uh, this vicious. Uh, circle that he's talking about. He's talking about white racism and black hate and how they interact uh, with each other. It's a continuous uh, vicious cycle. As one, uh, the less racism uh, that's projected from uh, the larger white society, uh, the less hate is going to uh, it's going to produce in the, the Negroes, and, and it's, it's true today. It is true today. It's it's true in human nature. It's just a uh, one of those truths. Is almost like Einstein's uh, uh, theory of uh, relativity or something. This is as certain as that. <laughs> that is. As you uh, create this uh, racism, you're going to create this uh, hate. They're, they're, they're not uh, mutually exclusive. They're uh, attached here. They're attached. <laughs> so, yeah, we uh Hey, y'all, uh, we've been rambling on here, but it's important, y'all. This, uh the conversation that's going on in the day because people don't realize the significance of, uh, of what's at play here. They don't realize the significance of uh, exactly what it is uh, that's at play. And uh, uh, that's uh, Interlocking system of independent causation uh, <laughs> is the <a> problem. <laughs> yeah, this interlocking system of independent causation uh, is the problem. Yeah, I ain't no doubt. <laughs> this, <laughs> hey, hey, we talk about it in our book, "Racism and Hate in American Reality," coming at you soon, y'all. Our second uh, rendition out there. Yeah. Uh, ran into, uh, hey, uh, we still running into just shock, uh, just uh, crazy information on our uh, journey over in uh, Vietnam some 48 years ago, 1966. What is that? Six from uh, three is what? 47 years ago this summer. Uh, 
July 16th. We we pulled a picture down on the internet from a Marine in the G Company, 2nd Battalion, 4th Marine there. I don't know who that picture is. You know? It can be many women, but uh, three or four brothers in that uh, in that in that platoon. Well, with three or four brothers in that platoon now, I was one. <laughs> Yours truly was one. Right there in that uh in that uh, operation, the Hastings it was. Uh I for one was one. Uh one of the other black guys died in my arms. PLC Norman uh uh Dawson. Died in my arms, so that account for two me and him, and the other was I. I can't. I'm trying to place uh, who this individual is in this picture. Could be yours truly. It could be yours truly. Yeah. The picture is dark, but uh, <laughs> it's just amazing uh, that I would be able to pull. I'm still pulling up things from that uh, from that uh, my day of infamy, July 16th, 1966, what, my day of infamy, when I uh, was wounded on that battlefield, I mean, oh, yeah, I made it through uh, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, no doubt, but, uh, uh, but yeah, we, we pulled this picture down and got in touch with uh, one of the people that put it together, that article on uh, Marines in Vietnam back then in 1966, great articles where I, I kind of chronicled that Operation Hastings. I used that as a, as a reference for, uh, and I just uh, kind of um, uh, add in my uh, uh, piece of it and what I, uh, my recollections of it, uh, which was oh, crazy, crazy things happened. That's what I had my little uh, spiritual epiphany when I got wounded over there on Operation Hastings there, and I write about that. And this article will give a great rendition of what was going on during that time of uh, of battle out there in that uh, valley, that uh, that valley of uh, the shadow of death. That's, what I, that's how I describe it and what it was to me. And I don't, I don't describe it like that. That's, it was, that's, that was my reality there. That uh, valley of the shadow of death uh, that I was caught up in. Hey, we got a call in, y'all. One eight 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 five eight eight three eight one four. We don't take many calls. We will from time to time. If y'all got something to say? <laughs> uh, you can give us a ring. Hey, we're gonna take a real quick pause though. You're gonna have to do it on the other other side of the hour. Uh, y'all hanging out. We'll be right back. You got me to hush mo. Advocating on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
Hey, we done turned turn this thing over, yeah. How y'all doing, my Facebook friends? What's up? We just all over the place talking about nothing, really trying to get into uh, what's going on in the country today, celebrating uh, the 50th anniversary of uh, the March on Washington, Martin Luther King's uh, speech that August 24th, back in 1963, y'all. And we just sat here kind of reflecting on uh, where we were uh, that day. Me, I uh, remember it all too well, y'all. I remember it all too well. I was in uh, the Marine Corps. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was in the Marine Corps uh, stationed at uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina at that time. I really had just... Uh, just uh, Got on vacation for a, a, a week or so, uh, 10 days or something. First time we got out of boot camp, had joined the Marine Corps that February of uh, 1963. I went to Paris Island, uh, stayed down there. And then I had uh, got out of that and went up to Camp Lejeune to Camp Geiger. And uh, somehow we got leave. And I think I had just got back off of leave there. But really, you know, it was t- rough times then. <laughs> it was rough times back in uh, uh uh, the uh, the sixties, nineteen sixty three was rough. Oh yeah, we was catching hell uh, in North Carolina. <laughs> oh yeah, blacks. Even I was in the Marine Corps. Still, uh, it was uh, uh, just a crazy time in our society, y'all. And I uh, uh, was eighteen. I, you know, I was from Georgia. You know, and I had moved. I was on my own. Really, the Marine Corps was my life at that time. Because when I left up out of that Georgia, that Marine Corps. <laughs> I was on my own. I never did go back. I never did go back home to stay with anybody uh, from that day forward. When I uh, joined the Marine Corps that February, I was a grown man. So I uh, was in the Marine Corps. My mother, half my most uh, half my family lived in Atlanta here, and uh, my father and uh, uh, a couple of uh, two of my brothers lived in, in Ohio still. And I would split my time between the two places while I was in the service, you know. Uh, Meantime, one of my sister moved to Philadelphia and, and things like that. So we we uh, but we was in the South in 1963 uh, when that Mars occurred. There things was crazy uh, in terms of race relations. You still had to be black. We we are <laughs> uh, down in North Carolina. You know we you, they had separated, uh, segregated everything. Clubs you can't go in a white club. No no kind of way. Couldn't take a white person in the uh, club with you, even if you was in the military. Uh-uh, couldn't do it. Uh, so we uh, we had mixed emotions back then, <laughs> in terms of uh, uh, always supported Dr. King, always supported his efforts. Uh, was probably not as nonviolent at that time uh, as uh, a lot of his followers uh, were. Uh, I was in the Marine Corps. I was young and crazy, but uh, probably not as. Probably not as uh, nonviolent as uh, Dr. King would his followers uh, turned out to be. I mean, yeah, did a great job and uh, turned out to be the right course of action in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, you need both uh, both components of any kind of resistance movement, I believe. But, uh, yeah, uh, that nonviolence uh, movement that he uh, put forward uh, did a lot of things for America's background, he said. Did a lot of things for the country. Uh, so I'm I'm always proud of that, and we uh, that day, uh, yeah, I remember uh, covering that thing. Uh, 
uh, or looking at it on TV, you know, uh, the, the hundreds of thousands of people gathered into that, <laughs> into uh, uh, the Washington Square there, into uh, and, uh, under the Lincoln Memorial there. And uh, him making that speech that just captivated uh, the country. And, and, and me as a, as a uh, young Marine, uh, couldn't, uh, looking back at, back at that time today, 50 years back, and uh, just uh, uh, trying to see... Uh, what has changed in that time in terms of race relations and uh, what, what, well we got a black president you said that, that's progress no doubt that's progress because back then at that 50 years ago I would have as, as an 18 year old 50 years ago I never would have thought or even dreamt of having uh, this black person uh, as president never would even thought it never wouldn't even cross my mind that uh, I would ex- see that in my lifetime, even 20 years ago, 10 years ago, maybe. yeah, never, never would have thought it. But so, so yeah, you could say uh, some some progress made, but uh, so many things remain the same. So many things remain the same when you look at. Where we at? Where we at? Uh, in the society, uh, uh, you know, just looking at it from my perspective now, I, I write from a from a uh, different perspective, perhaps than than uh, than a lot of people. But yeah, a lot. It's amazing that. The similarities that's uh, taking place today in the country, in the government, in our society are identical to uh, what was going on uh, in 1876. And, uh, yeah. All because of A portion of the society refused to reach out and lend a hand to the poorest of the poor. Yeah, that's straight from the book. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what happened. And, and that's uh, pretty much what's uh, going on here today, y'all. That moral is the moral question here we got. I believe that's a moral question here. With, 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 uh, racism, oh, yeah, I think that's a moral issue now. No doubt. <laughs> hey, that's what I believe. They say ain't nothing right or wrong, only think it makes it so. And that's what I think. <laughs> hey, y'all, let's get heavy. Let's get, let's get heavy, y'all. Yeah, we... <laughs> This interlocking system of independent causation 
Yeah. As long as you're going to um, hold this racist attitude towards uh, me, uh, chances are I'm going to hate uh, that racist attitude that you hold. Oh, I don't hate people. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> I gave that up. I told a little story when I uh, had my only fifty uh, there in Vietnam, there in that valley of uh, the shadow of uh, death. Uh, when I had my only fifty, I, I got rid of uh, all my hate uh, of fellow humans, <laughs> of my fellow human men, because I. I God let me know right there that uh, that he was spirit, yeah. Ain't got no color, ain't got no race. And that's out. <laughs> that's a fact in my mind. I know it to be a fact. So that I got rid of all that stuff. Now oh no, I still hate <laughs> I still hate uh that uh that uh I still hate that uh uh foundation of racism. <laughs> I still hate uh, that uh, 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 racism itself. That ain't going to change. That can't change. Uh, but people, I know. I, some of my best friends are white. <laughs> Y'all don't know. <laughs> hey, that's a fact. But uh, so yeah, I, I I I separate all that stuff out, y'all. Thanks to that man upstairs, God on me. Yeah, he let me know. Uh uh-uh, that color, you know, that color what? <laughs> Come on, y'all. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this moral problem that uh. That society is dealing with, I believe, has to do with uh, 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 that promised land. <laughs> yeah, it all get back to land, y'all. Well, that's money, y'all. That's, you know, everything's about money. Everything's about money. <laughs> Come on, y'all think? Uh, so, yeah, it uh, it's about money. That that promised land, though. Those, those folks, you know, I'm, I'm big on reparation, and I think it's all about that 46 million acres set aside in that Southern Homestead Act that I write about in my new book, Racism and Hate. Yeah, yeah, it covers that too because it, you know, talks about uh, my family's history here in Georgia, which cover, you know, cover the entirety of the state, the breadth of the state from inception when it was a colony. My folks was here. So, as slaves, my folks was here, y'all. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. So, we, we've got a real good uh, imprint in our DNA on uh, on what was going on here. Oh, no doubt. It's embedded in our DNA for the last 250 years. <laughs> our story is. So, we, we, we talk about that and uh, kind of... You know, give give people uh, a glimpse into uh, our uh, experience. And we find racism and hate all mixed in with it, yeah. No doubt. 
So we, we no doubt we ain't just uh, talking about uh, talking about it from afar. No, no, we talking about uh, as it pertain to uh, us and uh, yeah. So uh, we. About the only time that being in the Marine Corps during the civil rights uh, movement there for the most part, coming out of high school right there in 1963 and then going right into the Marine Corps, <coughs> never, never got into the civil rights marches per se because I was always caught up in the military the, on mere cruises or Vietnam and for, for the next four years. So I, I cleared out of that stuff about... 1967, but I was wounded. <laughs> I was laid up in the hospital up at AFD for about a year. So really, about 1968, everything was quiet down, and uh, I got out. I got out of the Marine Corps and I got married, and you know, sent to school and stuff like that. And uh, really, never participated in the civil rights movement, even though. You know, my family was right here in Atlanta. Uh, you know, a large part of my family. So I was in and out of Atlanta by the time I got out of service. Remember, I was grown. I went to Philadelphia Naval Hospital because one of my older sisters was living there in Philadelphia at the time. So I stayed on there went to Philco Ford Technical Institute for a couple of years and worked for the post office while I was doing that. Then wound up as a uh, computer technician coming out of tech school and went to work there for Control Data Corporation. 1968. So... I'm young, you know, and uh, still still a lot of racial unrest, but really uh, more of a liberal uh, period of the country's history, the 60s. You know, people smoking dope and, you know, just a liberal a type of uh, atmosphere. We really thought we were uh, making some headway. Americans, I can say it to you, because, you know. They put in all the affirmative action stuff, and that all that stuff was going through, and we thought we was getting ahead, thought we <laughs> uh, turned out to be a sham. The affirmative action stuff turned out to be a sham, yeah. They threw us in with nine other minority groups. <laughs> Americans of African descent now. Only somebody that, that suffered on the Plessy. The only group of people, only class of people that suffered on the Plessy, the... Uh, uh, codified separate equal laws of the South. Uh, the only somebody who was injured under those laws uh, was Americans of African descent. Yet, uh, under these affirmative action laws, <laughs> they had us lumped in with, uh, by the time we came out of that thing in 1965, y'all, they had put us in with nine other minority groups, including white ladies. <laughs> Include white ladies. I ain't, nah, I ain't got nothing against white ladies. <laughs> I ain't. No, nah, nah, some of you brothers. I know some of you brothers love them. <laughs> nah, some of you brothers will walk a country mile. <laughs> but they, they, they classified, honestly, white ladies classified as a minority. The biggest population group in the country. The single biggest, largest population uh, group in the country is white females here in this country. Oh, yeah, I don't know, 110, 120 million? <laughs> Y'all don't know? The biggest single group of uh, Americans are white females 
yet they're classified as a minority, a racial minority. Listen, they they grouped them in there with uh, us, us black folks back in the 60s there, yeah. And needless to say, when uh, they started dividing out this affirmative action money or jobs or whatever, you know who got the biggest share of that money or uh, a benefits or whatever? White people. White people, yo. It was just like that 46 million acres that they set aside in that Southern Homestead Act back then, 1866, yo. They set aside 46 million acres. Uh, black folks ain't got hardly none of that. Probably they got a few uh, crumbs. But the 43 million of that uh, land went back to the federal government <laughs> uh, over time. Uh, white corporations uh, took up that land <laughs> and made billions of dollars off of it, too, y'all. Uh, I advocate in my little uh, reparation plea. Y'all look at my book. I got it broke down in there. But uh, uh, that 46 million acres is tied to this uh, moral problem and legal problem, both. It's tied to uh, the now of uh, that land uh, being uh, transferred over to uh, those five million uh, Americans of African descent, yeah. Hey, the man upstairs uh, got us out of bondage, though. You don't just drag his people out of bondage and put them out there in the wilderness for nothing. <laughs> that was some land uh, old, and the land was in place, but they refused to uh it was just that forty acres and a mule, that too. But it was right there. All the forty acres and a mule was right there in the forty six million acres that you uh uh gave us or let us uh acquire the forty six million acres. That would have took care of the forty acres and a mule right there. Y'all y'all don't see. Uh, hey y'all, I don't know who am I. Neither a prophet, a preacher, or a teacher. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I got a message now. <laughs> I got a message to tell. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> my hero, the Bishop Henry McNeil uh, Turner. My spiritual witness, <laughs> uh, the right Reverend Bishop Henry McNeil Turner, <laughs> uh, put you all on alert that uh, you can't just uh, you can't just take away uh, something that uh, the man upstairs. Uh, put in place it. Uh I mean you can do it but uh it ain't gonna last. I mean people gonna be uh until uh it's made right. I mean there's no way for it to uh there's no way for it to not be made right because if it's not made right over time it's gonna drag uh whatever it is down. That cause uh, that uh, causation thing that they were talking about. Let's see what he called that. <laughs> Y'all better listen. 
that interlocking system of independent causation is is at play here. Now, if that, uh, say for instance, if that uh, injustice don't ever get corrected, uh, whatever caused the injustice is going to uh, remember because you've got a reaction on the other side over there, like racism, hate. If the racism don't ever get corrected, uh, neither will the hate. And over time, that system will implode because over time, uh, the man upstairs, he's going to get fed up with it. <laughs> over time, the man upstairs is going to get fed up with it. And just like that, that story, that the. That's told in the Bible, that story of old, the old kingdom of Babylon. Uh, couldn't get his moral house in order, and God Almighty had to, uh, had to uh, get his, get involved in it. And, and that's pretty much any, any type of... Uh, uh, any 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 type of uh, uh, as he said interlocking system of independent causation. Uh, if you got two things that's uh, locked together, and one of them is uh, uh, a byproduct of the other, and uh, they keep going around in circles. If neither one of them uh, changes its course, uh, you're going to continually have a worsening uh, outcome if you continue to go in the same uh, uh, negative way. Now, if you're changing went in a positive uh, uh, direction, uh, everything would uh, change in the reverse uh, way also. That's pretty simple. Uh, pretty simple uh, a formula here, yeah. This, this thing is it's like night and day here. I mean, there's nothing complicated about it in terms of uh, understanding uh, how this interlocking system of independent causation works. Now, this is simple here, simple stuff right here. If you stop and take your foot off of my throat, I will stop complaining about your foot being on my throat. It's as simple as that. If you take your foot off of my throat, because you got me, hell, I can't breathe here. I can't breathe. You got your foot on my throat. And I got to complain about it because I can't breathe. Now, but if you take your foot off of my throat and allow me some air, I, I, I ain't got no reason. The reason to complain is no longer there. And, and that's... <laughs> That's exactly, that's exactly, uh, that's what's at work here, y'all, in this man-induced self-fulfilling prophecy of racism. Uh, that, uh, those two interlocking uh, system, this interlocking system of independent causation, run back and forth, as they say. It's, it's no different here. Have we 
how are we going to solve this problem here? Because, you know, my book, we, we, we want to be part of the conversation. But more than anything, I want my book to be part of the solution. I want my book, and I hope that my book do, and its intent is to uh, present a picture uh, of uh, to present a body of evidence that's so uh, uh, overwhelming that uh, uh, the 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 remedy would will be uh, forthcoming. And to uh, try to present a uh, uh, what we believe is a fair and just uh, remedy for this uh, this uh, this imbalance here in the society that uh, we sorely need to uh, fix this moral uh, imbalance here, and we, we we suggest that it's fed into these slaves that you had here in the country. Yeah, it was a moral issue there, y'all. Y'all look at it now and kind of gloss over it. Hey, but you can't be a, a nation of Christians and uh, not know uh, what even your own Christianity is about. I mean, come on. The Christians, didn't, the Hebrews, the Israelites didn't just walk out of uh, Egypt barefooted. They was going to get some land. They had been promised some land. They didn't just walk out of there, uh, uh, you know, with nowhere to go. But yet they stayed in the wilderness 40 years trying to find out what it was that they, yeah, we've been out of the wilderness 150 years. <laughs> we've been in uh, political purgatory. <laughs> hey, y'all don't get the husband started here now. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, what we do, we uh, advocate on behalf of uh, America's happiness, you know. For social justice, for justice, you know, uh, we love everybody. We just have to be a, a part of that community and by extension find ourselves out here advocating on their behalf. And Lord knows we need all the advocacy we can get. Uh, <laughs> just look at our history. <laughs> Somebody, hey, the Peter Gary that got started, y'all. Hey, I'm trying to keep in line here. What the Braves doing, y'all? We we catching heck with St. Louis. We ain't beat them yet, y'all. They, we need to get, we need to get this game today, some kind of way by hook or crook. We need to win this game. <laughs> we might have to. There's uh, a guy that struck out and reached first base, some kind of way through his bat head. We crossed the, the field. <laughs> we need to get one of these wins, y'all. Hey, y'all. <clears throat> what else going on in the world? Ah, this thing over in Syria is kind of crazy, y'all. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know. I'm worried about that. Uh, anytime you start seeing mass graves of dead people, <laughs> and it uh, looks like the bodies are in pretty good shape, but they did. Uh, you suspect some kind of chemical uh, weapon uh, of mass destruction has been uh, uh, at play here. But But the thing is, you know, you just can't, you never know when you just look at a photograph anymore. Whether it's real or not, there's so much junk you can go on with uh, uh, photographs and stuff like that. So the president, he uh, is trying to uh, gather and believe it. They know a lot more than we do. They they probably have a pretty good handle on whether this stuff is real or not uh, as we speak. I mean, yeah, but we we don't know exactly uh, how much of that uh, 
stuff is real and how much of it is not, but we just have to uh, pray that uh, nobody's uh, started using chemical weapons over there. I think it really get out of control over there yeah, in Syria. You know, that road to Damascus. That road to Damascus, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, a lot of things have occurred on that road to Damascus throughout history. Uh, we just hope that uh, Kulahi has prevailed, as they say. Yeah. We, uh, Hey, y'all, it's about, uh, wow, 8.30? I don't know where this time's going tonight, y'all. We just get to running on out here. Next thing you know, a break is up on us, and <laughs> we, we're rambling right on through it and uh, just really having a great time uh, with uh, the subject matter this evening, uh, talking about... Uh, what's going on in the country because really it does seem like uh, the anger that's being vented from uh, the conservative right has to do a lot with uh, uh, the fact that this president uh, put this health law (laughs) uh, uh, well at least that's the only thing they talk about trying to repeal this health law that uh, uh, is going to allow some 40 million uninsured Americans uh, access to health care. Now, a lot of these Americans are Americans of African descent, yeah? Yeah, because remember, we got this little problem of economic disparity that was brought on by this man-induced self-fulfilled prophecy of racism that, uh, you know, Ghana was talking about, Dr. Murdoch was talking about uh, this racism. One of the side effects is it causes a decline in uh, the economic condition, the social conditions of blacks. The racism that's in the society causes a negative impact on the economic status of uh, the people that the racism is directed at. And that's what happened here. That's what happened. I mean, it's no it's no. Uh, don't take a genius. I'm not a scientist. I don't know anything about social. Well, I used to do what I read about it, but I'm not a trained sociologist and all that stuff. But I can sit down and figure out what's going on because I lived it. The science of observation is, uh, uh, is what allowed me to uh, uh, pick up on what uh, Dr. Murdoch is talking about here. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not, I hope I do an adequate job in my book here of describing exactly what is this interlocking system of independent causation, because that is exactly what has happened here in the country. Yeah. That's why you got this wealth disparity, y'all. This man-induced Self-fulfilling prophecy of racism is why you got the uh, race problem in the country today. Period. This is no other reason. We we can kick it around here. You can look at it upside down, yeah. But that is it. That is it. I mean, 
Yeah. And as soon as we start talking about the problem in those terms, I think the sooner the society can come to grips with uh, uh, the problem and uh, start uh, start making uh, some corrections here. I mean, it's not. Uh, it's not we. Ain't, I'm not angry when I when I talk about reparation. I, I view reparation as a, a moral uh, obligation that uh, of the country uh, owe. A moral obligation that the country uh, uh, has to satisfy. That's what I believe. And, you know, that's just that's a moral obligation here. Uh, you, uh, what the country did through. Uh, its laws was deprived some five million people out of uh, uh, the ability to uh, assimilate uh, uh, into uh, the larger society under uh, the laws uh, of the Constitution here. Yeah, that's what you did. That's what happened. That's what history says. That's that's what the separate legal. That's what everything is about. That's what everything is about. You know, when when it start when you start talking about uh, race relations, that's what it's about. It's about uh, 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 one uh, uh, part of the society uh, putting a foot on another part of society's throat uh, and refusing uh, to remove that foot. Yeah. This interlocking system of independent causation is uh, is what's at play here. And that land, that land is uh, the central uh, component here, y'all. I believe that 46 million acres uh, that was... Uh, set up in that uh, Southern Homestead Act that uh, through no other reason than the racist attitudes of uh, the powers at the time uh, prevented it from uh, from taking place. Yeah. My family. Hey, y'all, where we at? Oh, it's about 20 minutes till. <laughs> We're going to take another quick break here, y'all, before we uh, close this thing down. Here. We didn't get excited about uh, uh, the subject in the country because we, we're going to get my book out here, coming out shortly, y'all. Y'all pick it up, too. Racism and Hate, an American Reality. Go to my website, hushmoblack.com. We're going to have it posted there. Uh, and uh, pick it up. Kick it around, tell your friends about it, and let's join the conversation here, y'all. We've got a case. We've got a serious case, and it, you know, a separate uh, a case from any other minority, a group of people, class of people here in this country, y'all. We were injured under Plessy. America's African descent was injured under Plessy. Had our 14th Amendment rights taken away under Plessy, under the separate but equal Jim Crow laws that existed here in the country. Yeah, so we, we was injured. We 
or owed and was due one uh, uh, a judgment for those injuries in that Brown versus Board of Education case. Yeah, that wasn't just about that in 1954. That Brown board, uh, versus Board of Education case that overturned that overturned the Jim Crow laws, the separate equal laws that Plessy had in place uh, earned us uh, financial reparation uh, right then because we had been injured. America's African descent. We should have petitioned the court right then for reparation. Thurgood Marshall and the NAACP and their team of lawyers had every right to petition the court uh, at that time for a financial reparation on behalf of some 12 million Americans back in the Senate at the time who had been injured uh, under Plessy. I said today, we still have a right to that reparation, to that uh, uh the value of that 46 million acres, y'all, really. Yeah, we're going to tie it back to that. Plus, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, this discrimination that occurred in the workplace. But we're going to tie this all the way back to the 46 million acres. Yeah, we, we're going to say that, uh, that 46 million acres today, we, we, we know where it's at. Oh, yeah. We can take a look at that thing and see what kind of value that 46 million acres have today and place that value. Uh, own it, market value today, whatever it is, what, $90, $100 billion, $100 billion, say it's $100 billion. Uh, we are owed that by the government. No, nobody, no, by the government, by the federal government and the state governments who injured uh, me. I was born in 1945 without 14th Amendment uh, rights, right in the state of Georgia, yeah, without any 14th Amendment rights at all. I in a uh, school in 1951 in a segregated school, uh, woefully deficient uh, of uh, the white school that I passed by, on my way there, no doubt. So yeah, we we uh, and that's the issue today, y'all. We 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 don't hate nobody. I don't hate no person. I, I still hate racism, no doubt. I still hate the uh, institution of racism now. Yeah, because remember, I can't I can't stop. Uh, my hate for racism until racism stops. It's impossible. It's impossible to do because remember, this thing run back and forth in this interlocking system of independent causation. Now that's what the social scientist said, I, and I believe, and he's right. He's right. I can know. It's impossible. Uh, for the hate to stop if the racism don't stop, and vice versa. And, and it's just a, a, a vicious circle. Um, but all started by this man-induced self-fulfilling prophecy. It's what I believe. That's what I know, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I say. He knew it. Hey, y'all. Uh, what's up? Yeah, we need a run here, y'all. We need to get a run here in the worst way. Somebody hit one out. Somebody hit one out. Let's picture up the bat. We, hey, just get on, son. At this point, get on, too. 
Yeah, he didn't get on in, but I mean he can. Watch that. Julio Turan, uh, one of our young pitchers here. Braze, Braze, Jason Haywood, one of our top players, got hurt, y'all. Got hit in the head with a 95 mile per hour fastball. Hit right upside the head, y'all. I thought he was dead. Boy dropped like a red paper bag. Big dude. He's about a man 6'5", 6'5", 250. This is a big man, y'all. That ball dropped him like a wet paper bag. Catch a caught him before he hit the ground. But, I mean, he's falling like a big old tree. Scared me to death. One of our top players, y'all. Jason Batten, leadoff for us. Yeah, perfect leadoff, man. <laughs> because when, when the pitchers, when the opposing pitchers step on the mound, y'all, and see Jason Haywood up there leading off, 6'5", 250 pounds, who can fly and got <laughs> some serious and, uh, that was our perfect leadoff, man. Y'all, we're going to lose him for four or five weeks, four to six weeks, they say. Hopefully, he'll be back for the playoffs. We got a 15-game lead. It's a good thing. We need every one of them because we ain't the same team without him. <laughs> Plus, he's a gold glove right fielder. <laughs> this was our best right uh, outfielder, period. They talk this, uh, he's our best outfielder, period. And we're going to miss him. We done lost two games since he's been out. We're going to miss him because that changes the dynamics of that lineup. Uh, these are opposing teams. They can game plan. They can game plan for what we got. Oh, yeah, they can game plan for what we got <coughs> without Jason being in there. If people ain't dumb. If teams ain't dumb. They, they say, who you got lead dog? You ain't got that big old tree up there no more. We're going to do this to y'all. We're going to let this little dude up here, who you got leading off now, carry us. We're going to we'll pitch him straight up and let him bunt. <coughs> We're going to pitch this little man straight up and let him bunt. <laughs> we'll sell for that. But we ain't got to worry about the big man the big killing us. <laughs> we ain't got to worry about him if he ain't in that lineup. We're going we gonna to pitch the little man uh let him bunt. <laughs> Whoever that is, Simmons or Shaper, whoever we got up there, they ain't got that fear <laughs> factor. <laughs> they they don't have they don't have that fear factor that uh, Jason possesses. <laughs> that fear factor that he uh, uh, Jason uh, implants in the opposing uh, pitches. Those are great players, players too. Those, oh, Gordon Schaefer and uh, Helm, Helm, well, you know, uh, uh, Jordan Simmons, Simmons one of the best shortstops in the game, period. Uh, and got a, 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 a decent bat. <laughs> and Schaefer's a heck of an outfielder and, and, you know, get on bases with bunts and stuff like that. But uh, neither one of them possess <laughs> that uh, fear factor. <laughs> Some players just possess that fear factor that uh, uh, is uh, is uh, a valuable commodity to have. Some players just got it, and uh, those players are the ones that, uh, over time, is going <coughs> to uh, be your superstars, y'all. No doubt, those players that possess that fear factor. that can instill that fear in the opposing team 
Jason's one of those players. No doubt in my mind. He's 23. I mean, he's 20. He just turned 24. Still a young man. But he, uh, he's one of those fellows that, uh, one of those type players. We're going to miss him. Hopefully, we're going to send our best wishes out to one Mr. Jason Haywood, our right fielder here. Wish him a speedy recovery. <laughs> but that they got broken toe, yo. Two plates in his jaw there. That's a hard injury to come back from because remember, every time you swing, do anything, you're going to feel that in your jaw. I guarantee you. You're going to feel that pain in your jaw until that thing heal up. And then he might be a little shell shot <laughs> coming back to the plate until he gets back acclimated. Somebody throwing 95 miles an hour at your head and you've been hit once. <laughs> It might take your nerves a, a little while to uh, readjust. We hope now. This boy been playing ball all his life. We hope that they don't they're distracted. But how could it not? <laughs> how 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 could it not? I mean, you you like got hit by a, a ninety-five miles per hour fastball in the head. <laughs> How could you not flinch the next time you see a left-hander throwing crazy? Uh, don't be surprised if he explodes on one of them and go out to the mound and try to break somebody's neck <laughs> the next time somebody threw at him now. I've I, I seen that happen. And you don't want. You don't want to do big as Jason get mad. <laughs> hey, you don't want to do as big as Jason Haywood getting mad at you. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> y'all don't know. Jason got some serious giddy up about him. I would be if you don't want to get in a scuffle with Jason. Mm-mm. Yeah, so we we just hope we get back in that lineup pretty quick. I know that. Hey, we got the Falcons coming up tonight, y'all. Nine o'clock. Tiger, where's Tiger at? Six down. He, uh, ooh, six back of the lead is what twelve under in that. Uh, what is that uh, thing up there? Uh, what bank is that? That's a bank, I believe. Uh, that uh, the Claiborne, Claiborne, Claiborne golf thing. What is it? Yeah, well, yeah, Tiger's in it, but I mean, he's he's got six strokes to make up tomorrow at least, last I looked. So, oh, he can do it, but <laughs> that's t- tall order. The boy looked like he's playing some ball. Gary uh, Moreland, who was that leading that thing? That boy's in that ball 500 yards, looked like straight as an arrow. <laughs> and Matt, uh, Matt Kuchar, the Kuchar's right there in the thing. He, he's hitting that ball a mile. We done got crazy here in this game, y'all. We uh, where we at, y'all? It's about ten minutes till. We're gonna take another quick pause for the calls before we close this thing out, y'all. We're gonna take one more break, y'all. Hanging there, we'll be right back. You got me in the hush bowl, y'all. Where I'm all of us do it bigger, to do it loud, to uh, do it longer, uh, and out of necessity, we'll do it louder. We don't like to get loud out here. We yeah, I told y'all that once, but we will. <laughs> If need be, to uh, to uh, become a part of the conversation. Yeah, we're gonna get our two cents in, <laughs> no doubt. Y'all hanging out though. We'll be right back. 
Advocating on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
Hey yo. Hey, where's my where's where's my where's my uh What's up? Uh, hey y'all, welcome back to the Hushbow Black Forum, y'all. We just about uh, came to the end of the road out here, y'all. Tennessee just jumped on the Falcons here. We just got started out here, y'all. These folks done marched right down the field here and scored on us. <laughs> we got to do better. But it's preseason, y'all. We don't care nothing about this stuff. It's all uh, just uh, trying to see who gonna, who going to be there at the end of the day. Uh Really enjoyed our time out here this evening, y'all. Uh, just uh, stay engaged. That's all I can. Uh, that's my advice. <laughs> stay engaged, uh, y'all. We've got to stay engaged, and uh, um, I keep pushing uh, the struggle forward. As uh, one Mister Charles Hamilton Houston uh, urged and coerced us to do. When dealing with uh, uh, the struggles we uh, went through uh, to get uh, Plessy off the books, yeah, we the society is drifting back uh, as if uh, we, in a lot of instances, uh, still live under Plessy. Yeah, we we we've got to step up and say, hold up, no, that's not. Didn't Brown overthrow all that stuff on the Plessy? If not, uh, let's uh, see why it didn't. Let's talk about that. If Brown did overthrow Plessy, y'all, uh, we need to be talking about what we got to talk about now. And it did, in my mind, uh, we need to be talking about uh, uh, reparation for America's vacuum descent, y'all, who uh, was in this country, uh, born in this country uh, uh, prior to 1954 who was injured directly by the separate equal laws here in the country. It's not just a, uh, you know, not, no hateful uh, uh, rhetoric that I espouse. Not me, not personally. No, no, it's not no hate. Uh, it's just a, a, a matter of justice. It's all, all that I seek. I don't seek anything else. But justice, I mean, if you Surely, <laughs> no one is uh, would deny themselves of uh, their own justice. I'm no different. I'm no different now. We can't be any different. Yeah, we can't be any different than anybody else. Uh, we, hey. So when I make a claim for... Uh, my justice, uh, I should get uh, allies uh, from all those who uh, believe in justice. All those who believe in justice should be running to my side as my allies, and, and that's what I. Uh, that's what I. Uh, uh, believe will happen, I mean, in time, no doubt, I believe that uh, justice will prevail. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're going to get back <laughs> next week. <laughs> next week, though, September. Uh, no, 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 no. we got one more week in August, August 31st. 
uh, Labor Day weekend. Y'all, we'll be right back, same time, same place out here in cyberspace. Blog Talk Radio, y'all, is where we're at. Go to my website, com. Follow us there. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Blog Talk, y'all. Until then, uh, ciao, y'all be good. We're going to cut this thing off right here. We? What happened there? Oh, that doesn't look good. But he threw the ball behind the running back, y'all. Hey, y'all, we got to check. We got to go. We we, 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 we done got into the monitors here, y'all, looking at the sports uh, thing. Hey, until next week, you got me the hush mode, y'all. Y'all be good out there in the Facebook uh, land, the cyberspace. Until next week, ciao, y'all. We're going to close it out right here. The hush mode black phone. Advocated on your behalf by covering news and events affecting the African-American community. Check us out at the Heisman Black Forum, www.blogtalkradio.com.